When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. DC Live fam, what is up? Thursday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, joined uh, momentarily, probably about 10, 12, 13 minutes from now, I'll be joined by Gabe Yarman, PowerMizzou.com. Got a great show lined up for you here today. And as always, we're brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Check out Clint's um, business, his information on ClintHammond.com, 803-576-4450. So you can get in touch with Clint. C. Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com is the email address. And the NMLS number is 71597. As most of you already know by now, Clint is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network and, of course, the presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. Again, I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. We're inching closer to South Carolina versus Missouri. Um Interesting matchup. All, all of them are. You can you can say that for about every single game. There's always something interesting, something there's some storyline to talk about. And for this one, Chris, I, I'm excited to get Gabe's insight on Missouri. I know you were on his show actually um right before we, we went live for this show. And I think we're all gonna find out, man, what which which game for these two teams, as in South Carolina's game over Florida. Missouri's game with with Georgia, not that it was necessarily close, but it seems like Missouri's fans are sitting there saying they saw a few little signs of progress. South Carolina obviously saying, hey, we saw signs of progress on offense. So which game was sort of a flash in the pan? Everything just worked out. Which game can be built upon? Which game, you know, is is sort of a sign of more to come because – we saw South Carolina have their best game on the ground offensively, and we had we saw Missouri uh, actually not be awful uh, against the run defensively against Georgia. 8.2 yards a carry against Southeast Missouri State for Missouri earlier in the year. South Carolina putting up some uh, very bad numbers the opposite way for most, most of the season. And so we are now in that interesting position where – like, I, I, Wes, this is an even matchup, You're right? Like, a, an on-paper matchup. I think you can kind of take out – the interesting thing is that South Carolina's progress that we saw last week came in a win, a dominating win. Missouri's progress came in a still very substantial loss to Georgia. 
But the game kind of got away, and they did do some good things in that game, particularly, as you said, in the run game on defense. I think, what was it, Zamir White had like 1.8 yards of carry. Um, I watched that game. I watched Missouri's defensive plays on that game against Georgia. That was what I wanted to hone in on. And Missouri did a good job not letting Georgia really run between the tackles. There wasn't much going on there. So it was really interesting. I think for both these teams, it's kind of a which, – which, you know, were those games a one-off for each of these teams? Like, is that, is that South Carolina team we saw Saturday, is that South Carolina's team now for the rest of the season? Was it a little more of an aberration? Same thing for Missouri. So something's got to give, and I think the, the first area you go to is the run game because – the, the run game struggles, that's the number one reason for South Carolina's lack of progress this season up until Saturday. And same thing for Missouri defensively. Uh, that's why they haven't been able to get on track because they've been so bad, you know, against against the run all year. So uh, record-wise, two fairly close teams in terms of record. They've had some common opponents where I don't really believe in the transitive property, West, but you know, Missouri won against Vandy and struggled. They beat them by more than one, but they struggled, gave up 28 points. That a seven-point game against Kentucky, South Carolina six-point game. Uh, Missouri also, you know, kind of similar game against Georgia that South Carolina had in Tennessee. They got kind of bombarded defensively like South Carolina did. So these two teams going in, I know South Carolina fans feel great after the Florida game. This is still a game that I think they've got to play very well to win. Um, and they are going to have to go out and play like they did on Saturday, run the ball, take care of the take care of the football. I think those are critical factors going into this one. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I I, I don't think the transitive property really ever applies in football. Um, and and you know I've, I've I've tried to think about why like why is that? Why does it not apply at all? And I I think if you go a little bit deeper, like okay, if 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 football was an individual sport, um. And like you said, uh, you said that that person A is better. Like like you had you had three people, and they were doing any like anything in particular, like playing chess or something or whatever it may be. And you, you could probably use the transitive property to say that if this person beat this team, but this person or this person beat that person. Um, then that would probably there would probably be a transitive property there. But when you're talking about teams and you're talking about the fact that, as we talked about yesterday, the offense, your offense and your defense are made up of completely different personnel. So what South Carolina's offense does against Georgia's defense, and what Missouri's offense does against Georgia's defense doesn't tell us anything about what South Carolina's offense will do against Missouri's defense and vice versa because it's different people, you know? So your offense is facing a defense. Your defense is facing their offense. They're not squaring off. You know, South Carolina's offense is not playing Missouri's offense, obviously. So it, it really it doesn't – the actual matchups do not transfer – over as it would if you were just talking about individuals, um, you know, doing battle um, in whatever it may be, in fencing or something. Who knows? But so it doesn't really apply, um, which is probably one of the things that makes football so interesting. And 
you know, I think if you if you dive, like if you you can always zoom in, you can always zoom out in football. Interestingly enough, um, both th- these two teams are just built differently. Like they're complete opposites as far as what they've been good at. Um, even if you zoom out from just the the running game side, Missouri's offense, uh, you know, averaging thirty one point six points a game, that that's pretty positive. That's pretty good. That's actually normally going to win you some games. Unless you have a defense that is is giving up thirty six point eight points a game, which is a massive number, and you know on the other side you have South Carolina, which in in twenty twenty one in the year twenty twenty one, if you're only giving up twenty three point seven points a game, which South Carolina is, you're probably going to you're probably going to win some games, but South Carolina averaging just twenty three points even per game on offense. So, you, you know, both both sides, you, you kind of have – you have strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness um, with the Missouri defense and the Carolina offense being weakness, at least on paper. And uh, then, of course, the South Carolina defense, the Missouri offense being a strength on paper. So th- that's going to be interesting to see um, how, how those two things play out. If you look at – the other things you could use as like predictors, um, ESPN FPI essentially has this as a straight up toss up. Uh, Missouri favored fifty two to forty eight, um, which means you know you, you throw in some home probably home field advantage is is the difference. Um, if, if it was in Columbia, South Carolina, I'd imagine South Carolina would probably be slightly favored in that. Uh, you look at Vegas right now, Missouri was a slight favorite. I think opened it at about three points. Again, that's the general number that that they say Vegas gives you for home field. Um, so now that now it's even. Uh, the, the betting has sort of evened it out. So at least on paper, this is going to be a, a toss-up and – Toss-ups, uh, you know, gen- generally come down to who who handles the moment better, who handles, uh, you know, does South Carolina handle their success from last week well? Um, do they not turn the football over? Do you score touchdowns instead of field goals, um, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera? And I think for South Carolina, Chris, it's about continuing to um, improve on areas that Beamer was quick to point out, even though it was a great win for them there were still a lot of areas they can continue to improve in. One of the the big ones being, you know, third down, once you get down in that sort of uh, that fringe red zone area and not having to kick field goals. Yeah, that is going to be a key one, particularly. I mean, I'll go back to – I'm going to go back to the well, Wes, low margin of error, and that is because, you know, this on paper and from what we've seen on the field, you know, pretty evenly matched. And so it is going to be about the team that, you know, takes better care of the football, does those little things that are going to make a big difference in a game like this. All right, let's go on out to our Primal Gourmet guest line. Uh, Let's bring him in. We appreciate him taking the time today. I know always busy at powermazoo.com. It is Gabe DeArmond. Uh, Gabe, first of all, I understand Chris was on with you earlier today. So uh, give us a review. How did he do? Was Was it a solid performance? Yeah, I mean, I just talked to Chris like 15 minutes ago. We just rack that up and and run this for for the next 25 minutes. We could all uh, just kind of chat offline. I, I'd say <laughs> I, I'd give Chris a solid uh, a solid B. I mean, that's that's what that that that's about where he lives, right? That's about his lane. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're, I mean, B, bees will definitely get degrees. So, you know, they say C's get degrees. Bees, uh, yeah, you'll you'll take that, Chris. We'll, we'll take that every day, man. Um, Gabe, I hope you're doing well. Uh, I, I did catch some of some of y'all's conversations. So, uh, tell us for, for the Gamecock fans who are listening or watching. Always, we always ask our guests what what's the first thing a Gamecock fan who has not been paying attention needs to know about the team South Carolina will face this afternoon or Saturday afternoon in Missouri? Well, for uh, nine of the 10 weeks, or I guess eight of the nine weeks so far, the biggest key to have success against Missouri football is to have a quarterback that can functionally stand up and turn around and hand the ball to a running back. (laughs) Um, If you've had that, that has worked incredibly well. And we're actually to the point where, so last week, Missouri did a pretty good job against Georgia relatively speaking, but we're kind of trying to figure all out all week. Did they, how much did they actually improve? I mean, Georgia ran for 168 yards. And while that's better, you guys know what it's like when you play Georgia, you come out of that, you go into that game going, well, we know we're not going to win. Right. So we just got to find some things that, that are going to make us feel good about things. But then you come out of the game and you don't really want to sound too positive about having lost 43 to six and the game was over in the second quarter. Right. So it's kind of been a balance trying to find out this week, like, okay, what can you take that Missouri should feel good about while also understanding like that team's still in your division and they play the same sport and let's quit talking about them. Like they're the green Bay Packers and we can never catch them. So uh, staying on the run game, like what have been the issues for most of the season, right? Like, I mentioned it in our show and the one I just did with you, Gabe, on your program. I got the stat wrong. It wasn't nine yards a carry. I'm sorry, but it was 8.2 right. 8. yards a carry against Southeast Missouri State. We saw, you know, the Tennessee game. We've seen the, the Boston College game. What have been the issues? Obviously, Missouri made a change defensive line coach, but is it more players? Have there been schematic things? Is it a combination of all of them? Well, if you can answer that question, Eli Drinkwood's going to put you on staff. Because it's literally, we've thought about it all year. I mean, the, I had fallen on the the idea that it was mostly the defensive line because I was going back and watching some of these games. And, I mean, there are guys getting shoved three and four yards out of the way. I mean, just absolutely blown up. But then you watch some and you go, well, like, where are the linebackers going? They're just, they're, they're just going to completely the wrong place. And there's this cutback and it's getting 27 yards. And then... Some of it is they hired a new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who's been a long, he's been in the NFL, I think for the last 14 years before um, coming back to Missouri this year. And a lot of people wonder, well, is he just trying to ask them to do things that they can't understand, right? That, Hey, NFL players might get this when this is their job and they're there all day, every day, but asking college players to do this doesn't work. And it, it's kind of like you said uh, about uh, South Carolina. There's no one answer, right? It's always, we all want one thing to say, if, well, if they just fix this, it's better. No, some of it's the scheme. Some of it's on Steve Wilkes. Some of it's on the line. Some of it's on the linebackers. I, I mean, it's everything. And Missouri, what I've said all year, they don't have enough talent to be good in this league. We know that. But they have enough talent to be better than they were against Tennessee, to be better than they were against A&M, against Southeast Missouri, against Kentucky. I mean, they were in that Kentucky game, but they gave up 300 and some odd yards rushing, you know. So just in that specific aspect, I mean, Georgia's the second best game they've played all year. And again, they gave up 168 yards rushing. It's it's kind of funny how inter- or how similar the conversation has been all year long. But you guys talking about 
Missouri's defense and Missouri's run defense and us talking all year long about South Carolina's offense and, and the rushing offense. Like if we, if we just filled in offense instead of defense <laughs> and offensive line instead of defensive line with everything you just said, it would be a carbon copy of this show um, every Monday, <laughs> except for this past Monday, I, I feel like. And the whole, you know, it's a little bit of everything thing. Are they being asked to do too much? NFL scheme, I mean, car- carbon copy. So we, we were talking before, Gabe, it's, it's interesting. It, you know, on paper, you have a, a Missouri offense that statistically has been pretty good. Um, South Carolina defense that statistically has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a Missouri defense that has struggled. Uh, for the most part this year, and a South Carolina offense that has struggled for the so this game, at least on paper, is kind of strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness uh, going into yeah. it. I love those weakness versus weakness matchups; those really get the blood boiling, right? Um, <laughs> but I, well, the interesting thing for Missouri too is, I mean, that offense. You're right; the first five or six weeks, it was I think a strength, and they there were some hiccups, but they overall played pretty well. But then. The offense really did nothing to help in that Tennessee game. It did almost nothing all day against Texas A&M. And, you know, then late in the Vanderbilt game, Connor Bazelak goes down. He doesn't play last week at Georgia. We don't know if he's going to play this week. Missouri releases an injury report every Thursday around 5 o'clock. If I had to guess, he's probably not going to play. So what you're going to have is either true freshman Tyler Macon making his second start or redshirt freshman Brady Cook making his first start. Um, but those guys, they both got action. They split, there were 69 snaps last week at Georgia. I think Cook had 35 and Macon had 34. So it was, it was right down the middle and Missouri fans had been wanting to see those guys and say, Hey, can we at least get them some experience in like a Tennessee game that's over in the second quarter? And we hadn't seen them at all. And then their first action is, Oh, Hey, go play the, uh, the best college defense we've seen in 25 years and see how that goes. Right. And they actually did probably better than we would have expected. So Missouri fans are are interested to see one or both of those guys. And you guys know how it is. Once you get to, once you lose three or four games, the fans just say, okay, it's time to focus on getting better for next year. But mm-hmm. these coaches who make $4 million a year would prefer to continue making $4 million a year. So they go ahead and try to win games this year. So tell us about those two quarterbacks. Um, you know, w- what are kind of the different skill sets? You know, you haven't had a, a lengthy look at them as far as their actual on the field product, but you know, what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What could we expect if Basilak indeed doesn't play? Yeah. So the end of the Vanderbilt game, they put in Macon, who was a four star kid out of East St. Louis last year, elite 11 kid. And um, they put him in, and Drinkwood said after the game, it was situational. And we all took that to mean, well, you wanted to run the ball and you felt Tyler Macon gave you a better chance to run the ball because he did have this reputation of being a a little bit more mobile guy and all that. And so I kind of expected Brady Cook to be the starter at Georgia. We got word Friday afternoon that they were going to start Macon. And then as that game unfolded, we watched him and Macon, the first couple drives, he ran the ball pretty well against Georgia. But the passing just wasn't there, man. I mean, he, he's it's a very small sample size, but he's 6-12 this year on, on passes that have traveled less than 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. His passing numbers look decent because he threw two basically 50-50 balls in the fourth quarter on a drive that uh, Towski Dove went up and made a couple nice plays against Georgia. So that made the numbers look better. But I watched the Georgia game, and I, I just said, I don't, 
you can't go in with Tyler Macon being a starting quarterback of a game you think you can win because the passing just isn't there yet. The accuracy and the mechanics. And he's also a kid who his senior year in high school, he didn't play because Illinois had their uh, their season moved to spring. He enrolled early. So he's playing his first competitive football in two years. Brady Cook is a guy that the fans have basically passed over already in this because he's a three-star kid. He wasn't the hyped recruit. Um but he actually looked pretty good, I thought, last week against Georgia. If his weakness is running the ball, his running ability is much closer to Tyler Macon's than Macon's passing ability is to Cook. So that's why I think you got to start Cook. He he gives them – he's the best combination of the two. And, look, you, you just can't go into a, a game – I mean, Connor Bazelak was a statue most of the year, so fans were going, I just want the quarterback that can run. But, I mean, it's still quarterback. The other part still matters, right? We're we're not talking – you can't be Antoine Randall or, or Tommy Frazier anymore. That doesn't work in this league. You've got to be able to do the other part of it. And so that's why I think you'll see Cook start, but I think they will have packages in to use Megan. Gabe, I always use the, uh, the PFF stuff as a little bit of a guide if I'm trying to get a feel for, um, you right. know, the next team. You know, say what you want about the grades uh, – you know, I, I think they're, they're a guide. That, that's the way yes. I describe it to people. But uh, I'm telling you, man, I'm looking at the grades for this season and, like, the top nine guys on Missouri offensively, um, you got their center, Michael uh, Maietti, as far as the, the guys who've actually played a bunch of snaps. Mm-hmm. He's the highest graded guy. Javon Foster at tackle, 83.8 grade. Uh, you go on down, Connor Wood at guard, played a bunch of snaps, high grade. Um Bunch of guys on this offensive line that PFF seems to love. What what have you seen from uh, – I see your reaction. What, what have you seen from Missouri's offensive front? And uh, what – I mean, is, is that one of the strengths of this team or is that a little no. bit uh, misleading? It is average at best, I would say. Um, okay. It's all right. I mean, I think it's done a decent job protecting the quarterback. Um, they have rolled up a bunch of numbers against – the bad teams. And like, you don't want to knock anybody too much for that because when you are an average team, which is what Missouri is, Mm -hmm. logic says you're probably going to be better than the bad teams and not as good as the good teams. Um, Tyler Beatty is leading the sec in rushing. He's top five in, in most categories. He has three 200 yard games this year, but he hasn't even hit a hundred against, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, BC, a and M Georgia. So it's been Everything or nothing. I mean, you know, complete great game or just not a whole lot there. Um, And I think Beatty's done a lot on his own, to be honest. I, Missouri's offensive line is okay. But Eli Drinkwitz will tell you, hey, offensive line, defensive line are the two places where they need to get better first to compete in this league. Because I, I don't see – if most of their top-graded players are on the offensive line – Maybe that just says more about the rest of the rest of the team and that it's, it's kind of, yeah, I guess of, of a bunch of just kind of okay. They've been the most okay. I, I guess that's fair to say. Uh, but by no means would anybody that watched, has watched nine Missouri games this year tell you they think it's a, a huge strength. What about special teams, Gabe? You know, I mentioned on your show before we came on here, you know, South Carolina has been graded out pretty highly, sometimes number one in the country, you know, according to PFF. In special teams, tell us what to expect in the kick game, returns, coverage. Has been anything good, anything bad? Just kind of average in that department. 
Yeah, no, the special teams have been really good most of the year. Now, they had a punt blocked against Georgia last week, and if you guys go back and find it, they lined up in some really weird formation where there was basically like one blocker on the left left half of the line, and oddly enough, the pressure came from that side, and, and they got the block, so I'm not sure what happened there. Um, but overall, I mean, Grant McInnes was a grad transfer from Kentucky before last year, and then obviously with the COVID year, got to spend another year. He's done a good job punting the football. Um, Boo Smith has, has come close to breaking a couple punt returns kickoff return has been fairly negligible in either direction Missouri hasn't had big ones but they haven't given up big ones but the the best player on their team and people laugh when you say the kicker is the best player on the team right and maybe that does say something about your team but uh they've got a kid named Harrison Mevis who is a true sophomore he missed his first kick of the year last year either extra point or field goal he had made somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 consecutive kicks before uh, he banged a 48-yarder off the upright against Georgia. Um, it's the only kick he's missed this year. He is – I think he should be under consideration for All-American. It's actually a pretty cool story. His his brother um, grad transferred to Iowa State. They are both like Lou Groza Award semifinalists this year. Um, we were talking to him about it a little bit yesterday. So it's a pretty cool story there. But he he's going to be an NFL kicker one day, and if – his nickname is the thicker kicker. If you haven't seen him, literally you'd say, well, I know Missouri's run defense is bad, so why can't that dude play defensive end? Um, I, you're going to see him and go, that guy is not a kicker. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I actually know way more about the Lou Groza Award list <laughs> than I ever should right now because uh, Beamer went on a mini rant uh, this week about how okay. Parker White uh, should be on the list. So – you, you actually have two really good kickers in this game. Uh, Mevis, 13 of 14 this year, 92.9% has hit all 35 PATs. Parker White, 13 of 14 right now as well. So battle of the kickers uh, in Columbia, that'll be cool. Uh, let, let's, add, uh, let, let's add in, Gabe, everything, we, everything you've told us about Missouri, everything you've learned from Chris on that B-plus report earlier today. Well, uh, he, he got an extra half grade there. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I was going straight B, man. Okay, he, he, okay, B, no plus, uh, B only from Chris. But uh, com- combine the two. How, how's this game going to play out, Gabe? <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a toss it in the hat game, right? These two teams are pretty similar, and we've seen a lot of that over the last eight or nine years. I was actually saying on our show right after Chris logged off, like this has been a competitive series, probably Missouri's most fun series since joining the sec. And now I don't know how much of it is left with Oklahoma and Texas, whenever they come in and whatever's going to happen, how often these two teams will play. But I mean, you flip a coin, right? And I know that we hate hearing the answer, like we got to execute better and fans hate here and well, Hey, they just got to play better, but that's ultimately, I mean, I don't know if they play this game 10 times, you're going to have three days where Missouri plays like trash and three days where South Carolina plays like trash. And then the other four, maybe they both actually play well and you could figure out which one's the better team, but Mm. we have no way to know what Saturday's going to be. I mean, Missouri's going to play somebody that has fewer than 60 college snaps probably at quarterback. And so I don't know, maybe that kid comes out and lights it on fire or maybe he comes out and you go, Oh yeah, he looks like he's played about 60 college snaps at quarterback. Right. Um, but I, w- I would anticipate a fourth quarter game. I'd, I'd be fa- fairly surprised by anything else. Yeah, no doubt. That, sorry, I had myself muted there, Gabe. So are the keys for Missouri, you know, ter- in terms of turnovers, you know, how, how we don't know because of the quarterback situation, but is that an area that we've you've seen anything in terms of 
you know, concern or anything. South Carolina, as we said, been pretty good in that department. Had some of their issues, some of their own issues offensively in terms of turning the ball over. Is that maybe a key area to watch in this game? Yeah, Missouri actually, they've only fumbled the ball one time this year and haven't lost a fumble. Now, Connor Bazelak got in this habit. He was throwing some picks. He was throwing one or two a week for about four straight weeks. I think he had seven um, and and then got hurt. And that was the one thing that Drinkwood said he really liked about Macon and Cook. Neither one of them turned the ball over at Georgia. Neither one of them really came close to turning the ball over. Like there wasn't a, a time where you thought, oh, that one probably should have been picked. So Ball security, they've overall been pretty good. They don't they haven't really gotten a ton of takeaways. Um, but but they've held on to the ball. Obviously, hey, that can flip any game, right? I mean, it, it only takes one to to go the other way, but it hasn't been a concern so far for Missouri with these guys. Uh I, I don't want to say it hadn't been a concern because Basilak has thrown some some costly picks. Um, but overall, I'd say they've been better at that than average. Gabe, we, we appreciate it, man. Uh, good stuff as always. Appreciate you taking time. Uh, everybody listening, watching, if you want to learn more about Missouri, go check out powermazoo.com. Uh, what, what all we got going on the rest of the week, man? I, I know y'all are like us. You've got the multimedia stuff going on, the traditional written content. Uh, give, give us a little taste of what you got going on over there. Yeah, I mean, the show uh, show I did with Chris uh, should be on our site now, and it goes out on our podcast feed as well. We do a pick show every Friday. I, I do zero research, and I'm like 14 games over 500. I'm just making people money. I now actually just start the show saying, if you're not taking my gambling advice, you're stupid. So, uh, you know, that we encourage people to waste their rent payments next month. But, uh, yeah, and basketball season underway. You know, Missouri started Tuesday night, so you guys are, are right there with us, kind of in the thick of the busiest time of year. No doubt, man. Uh, I saw you enjoyed the uh, Frank Martin Twitter. I love Frank Martin so yeah, I much. I, I I was just telling somebody seriously yesterday. It is one of my big regrets that Missouri never tried to hire Frank Martin. They they had a couple chances, and yeah. like I know guys that know Frank well enough that there were times I'm pretty sure he would have taken the job. And I don't know. I'm very disappointed in the whole thing. Yeah, and the hilarious thing about Frank Martin is that yeah, he's got the the on-court personality, the, you know, right. the stare, all that stuff, the mean look. He's actually one of the most down-to-earth, yep. nice, polite dudes off the court you could ever meet in I, your life. So Yeah, I have friends that covered him at Kansas State that told me, like, oh, he's the best guy ever. Like, you would love to cover him, you know, so. Yeah. It is what it is, you know. Uh, not that Conzo's a bad guy. I like Conzo, but I, I just I, – I, I want a coach who will call fans clowns on social media. That's That's my M.O. No doubt, man. Gabe, hey, we appreciate it, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day and enjoy the game on Saturday, okay? All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yep. Gabe. Good stuff. Gabe DeArmond, powermazoo.com, bringing the insight on Missouri as we knew he would. You know, man, I, I say good things about everybody we have on the show because I think we pick pretty good guests. But what Gabe's got going on at Power Mizzou, that, that guy really, truly does cover um, his, his site – as far as putting it all together, not just what he does personally, but just his, his entire crew, they do about as good a job as anybody, I feel like, of covering the team and, um, you know, just running a website, dude. They got presenting sponsors for everything over there, which is impressive. Uh, Gabe does a great job, man. Yeah, he does. We, we definitely uh, talk to him a lot. We Definitely trade some ideas and things like that. Actually, I shouldn't say trade. Most of the time we take ideas from Gabe uh, is what I'll say. But, yeah, does a great job with sponsors. He's been in the NIL space some, Wes, with some stuff with some players. 
super well connected. They break tons of stories. They have the insight. So he does an outstanding job and uh, always look forward to talking to him. You know what else I look forward to, Wes? Getting cold. Dead Soxy socks. I had him on yesterday. And I'll tell you, had some meetings yesterday going around. Had on the boardroom dress socks. Actually had on the ones you see in the top left corner there from the spur line, the college line. I got them from deadsoxy.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Get 25% off your order, whether you order those or you order any of their, from their extensive catalog of men's and women's socks. 25% off with the promo code cocky at deadsoxy.com. Gabe keeps it light, too. You notice that? Like, he gave, oh, yeah. he gave us information, but doesn't take everything too seriously. Oh, no doubt. Keeps it light. Keeps it entertaining. Um, I, I, re- I really do know more about the kickers in college football right now than I ever have in my life. By the way, off the uh, – I was working on maybe a little story. Hopefully this math is – hopefully I can count. You know, you don't really use math a whole lot when you are on, like, the content side of things anymore. So I may have miscounted to be completely honest, but on my very, very quick rundown, um, Parker White actually has a, let's see, 12, 12 of the 20 kickers on that list have a lower percentage of kicks made this season than Parker White. So, okay. Now, not to give you too much work at, at what that's total. What about the ranges? Like, for instance, uh, remember when? <laughs> what was that last year? Or the year before, Parker White had like six misses from like fifty nine yards each, or something. I'm exaggerating, but you remember that? Like, so yeah. No, I have. I didn't get that yeah. far with it. Um, <laughs> break that down. Yeah. Still. And, and- but- Still, and and now I, I will say this: that that list came out last week. So these are the updated numbers. Parker White was four for four on this past Saturday. So it looks, you know, Parker is now thirteen of fourteen, which looks a lot more impressive. Nine of ten, don't get me wrong, is impressive, but thirteen of fourteen is sort of like, yo, dude, why didn't y'all wait a little bit longer to put out your semi semifinalists, basically? So, yeah, it's almost like and, – and did those guys – when the list came out, did other guys have like a higher volume of kicks? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of – I mean, a lot of them – so if if I kind of write, like six of them have made less field goals than Parker. Right. Year. So a lot of them are like hmm. – uh, let's see. Gabe uh, – Gabe uh, Bjerkic? From Oklahoma, I don't know if I I don't know how to say that kid's name. I'll be honest. He's 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 at seventeen kicks, so he's hit, he's hit more, but he's seventeen of twenty, so that's eighty five percent. Like I said, the kid from Missouri, he's hit thirteen of fourteen. That's exactly what Parker's hit, ninety two point nine. Point point being, I mean, there there's nobody on this list that shouldn't be on the list. Like ev- every kid on here. Like there's not somebody on here that's like 12 of 24 or something. Right. But, but is is Parker in line with everybody on this list as well? Yeah, yes. So to break out, I was looking up Mevis. Now, Mevis, I mean, 
Harrison Mevis, which by the way, the, the pictures are amazing. What's that guy from the Titans, Randy something, the, the Tennessee Titans kicker? He's he's got a little chunk to him. Uh Harrison Mevis <laughs> kind of kind of similar. 5'11, 236, Wes. Outstanding. But this guy, I mean, he he's he's been awesome. He's 13 to 14. Like you said, that's what Parker White is. He is three for three on 50 plus yarders. Uh, the only one he's missed was something in the range of uh, Gabe said it. I can't remember on the show, but he's uh, seven of eight on 40 through 49. Parker White only has one 50 yard attempt this year, which he made. But he hit it. He he hit it. Two of two from 40 through 49. His only miss was in that 30 to 39 range. I remember that kind of inexplicable miss in one of the games. So, I mean, it's almost like the only difference here is he missed one short one and he hasn't attempted as many long ones, you know, if you compare those two guys. Basically, they needed to they need to revise their list and, and slide Parker White on in there. Yeah, and here's the thing, man. Like, yes, so USC Light pointed this out, which I you know I was pointing out earlier. He only had 10 attempts heading into that decision. A, why why are you making the decision that that early to cut it down? B um Cade York at LSU, he's nine for ten as we sit right now. And he's on the list. So I mean that there it wasn't like it wasn't like there was a a set number of attempts that you had to have in order to qualify. There's a kid on here who's only attempted nine uh field goals. Now he's nine for nine, so yeah, should he be on the list? Probably. You know, are there kids on here who've had better seasons than Parker White? Yeah, I mean, the the, the kid for App State, Chandler Staten, is 14 of 14. Um, the kid Noah Ruggles for Ohio State is 15 of 15. Like, there, there's some really impressive kickers on this list. In no way am I saying some of them shouldn't be on here. But there's also a kid who's who's hit 19 – but has attempted 26 kicks. Oh. So that's 73%. So that's just a volume thing, you know? They just go, this guy's made 19 field goals. Yeah, so somebody else has hit 23 kicks, but they've attempted 29. That's 79%. So I don't know. Like, I, 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 was, I was working through, like, okay, do I, do I put out a story saying that the Lou Groza people – are morons and I was going through it I was like no they're not like everybody on this list probably everybody on this list has had a solid year but yeah. is Parker in the same conversation with everybody on this list yes especially if you if you look at the numbers right now um while he, he's now 13 of 14 and has um he's only missed one kick he has a game winner this year he has a career high kick this year. He has another kick. The Troy kick, dude, doesn't count as a game winner, but that put the game away, made it a six, a nine point game instead of a six point game. So, I mean, it is is he getting snubbed? Probably so. If you just sort kicking by percentage right now, Parker is tied for ninth in the country among all kickers. So you're talking about a twenty man list. And the guy who is tied for ninth is not on your list. And I'm pretty sure all other nine guys are on the list. 
Yeah, so it's kind of and, – and USC, like, I'm just trying to reason other than a bias against us. And, yeah, and, and we're not – not that USC, like, say, and we're saying it's a bias. It's just sometimes people whiff. That's a whiff. It's a whiff if Parker's not on the list. And if you say, well, he was number 21 or what, just make another spot. They got, yeah, add, add it up. It's your list. You, you, can't, you can't even say, like – you know how sometimes guys will get – awards or they'll get on a list based on what they've done into the past in the past you know like a like a career achievement kind of thing but you get it in a year where maybe you don't deserve it or whatever like Parker White has done so enough in his career to where he should go into every season where people are like all right Parker White we need to watch him this season because if he if he's having a good year he's on this list right it seems like there'd be more awareness of that he's been around for a while he's been around since uh Joe Morrison was the coach here. Yeah, he, he can probably provide quite a bit of insight on uh, Carolina football history. But uh, Sam, Sam giving us uh, trouble on YouTube for having a segment on uh, on kicking. But, I mean, here's the thing. Shane Beamer brought it up. Sunday teleconference and Tuesday presser. Yeah. So, that's why – I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell you all. I'm really honestly not going to admit how much time I put into – comparing this number these numbers last night uh as i was sitting around watching netflix but the it, i was just i was curious as much as much energy as beamer put into defending his guy which he's always going to be somebody who defends his players i think um but yeah and it's just like if you and i were going to do a top five on gamecock central and there were really six players that deserve to be in the top five we'd be like it's our list so we'll put six on there because we can, you know, if, if you're, if, if there's 21 guys that should be on the top 20, guess what? It's your list. Yeah. Make it 21. Yeah. I've done that all the time. I mean, just, I've got some number in my head. Well, I'm gonna make 10 point. No, I'm gonna do 11 now. Oh, I'll do 12, you know, or I go in, well, I'm gonna make a list of 10. I can't, I don't have 10. It'll be five instead, you know? If if Parker White doesn't hit his field goal Saturday, South Carolina maybe doesn't beat Florida. And that's crazy to say about a game that got that out of hand, but it would have have opened up a a lot differently. You know, it would have played out a lot differently. That's the thing about football, man, how game flow matters. Like, you can look at the final score and be like, that game wasn't even close. But – Take away a take away a couple of plays and the games play out completely differently. Yes, it, it matters. You know, we don't we don't think about the punting hidden yards a lot, and you definitely don't think about a snap unless it gets fumbled or sails over somebody's head. You don't think about punting a lot, but people take. I mean, people take having a guy like Parker White for granted. You know, I mean, they're been gonna learn next year. Y'all, le- boy. And I mean, there's there's a lot of instances we can point to in South Carolina history or with other teams. You know, the whole Alabama kicker joke for a while, um, where a team lines up for a field goal and it may be 30 yards, and you're, you're going, we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Parker White, when he lines up, he doesn't make all of them, but you could be reasonably confident that nine times out of ten, or 13 out of 14, he's going to make it, and he can make it from distance too. So. That's a luxury to have, and it's not something that should be, you know, just brushed aside. 
Yeah, while, while we're showing love to specialists, how about I mean, how about Kai Kroger uh, in the holding department? Yeah, dude. They have you noticed that they? Um, we, I mean, we saw we saw Kai throw a pass last year. We saw Kai throw a pass against Tennessee this year. Y'all noticed during um, like pauses in the action, Kai will be over there warming the old arm up. Oh yeah, balls, just you know, just maybe put it in the head of your opponent. Yeah. Like here, right, right before the fourth down in the first half that South Carolina went for it and got it um, in Florida territory. They called that timeout before that fourth and one. Kai's over there just throwing some bullets. Yeah, so, just yeah. multi-talented kid, huh? Dude, he can he can throw it actually. I, I remember watching him one game. And I watched him for a while tossing the ball back and forth. And I mean, you, he can throw it. He's a, he's a good athlete. He can definitely throw it. Planting that seed a little bit, maybe planting the seed in the coaching staff's mind. You know, they they started uh, talking about Omega Blake after he ran scout team last week, and they've all there. Wow, he was out there slinging. I wonder if they put old Kai back there if he could do some damage as a scout team quarterback. If I'm Omega Blake and Kai Kroger, I'm joining forces here. And when the team's warming up before the game, I'm just gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna be throwing with each other, you know. Like, I, hey, got, just start getting closer and closer to to the coaches a little bit. Show off the old arm. That's right. Um, but yeah, man. Anyway, all right. So what what did we learn from Gabe? I I'll tell you what I learned. And I'll let you think about what you learned. I had it in my head this Missouri O line was gonna be a major test for South Carolina. And I was looking at Tyler Beatty's numbers, and I was like, dang, this kid, this kid is good. And he is good, obviously. He, oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody's saying he's not good. But it, it is interesting, and this is why we have people like Gabe on, because they see the team, what, every single week, right? It's interesting when you learn a little bit more about how a, a season is played out that goes beyond the global numbers. And the fact that, to the eye test, this has not been a dominant offensive line. And also that it's a little bit kind of like Kevin Harris last year with the numbers where Carolina's offensive line was able to give him room against maybe the lesser run defenses and put up just massive numbers. But then when they faced, you know, a Texas A&M, a Georgia, a team like that, Carolina did basically nothing on the ground. So we'll, we'll see which category South Carolina's defense falls in. But I, I had started to have it in my mind, like this actually could be a really tough matchup for Carolina's defense. Now I'm sort of like, okay, may, maybe Missouri doesn't have quite as much success on the ground during this game as I, as I thought they might. What I think one of the keys for South Carolina is just going to be kind of getting back to basics and just just playing well. I mean, like take the opponent out of it. Just play a sound game. Beckham pointed out earlier, Wes, on the Primal Gourmet chat line, South Carolina's defense, I mean, aside from ECU, you know, they haven't played well on the road. They've gotten really beat up, kind of like how Missouri did. By, <laughs> they got beat up by AM, They got beat up by Tennessee defensively. And so that's the starting point for South Carolina. Nobody needs to walk into this game thinking, well, South Carolina should be able to do this or that. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about those things, 
But this is still going to be a challenge, even with the quarterback questions, you know, Drinkwitz's system and how he's going to kind of administer the offense. Uh, I just got this feeling there's going to be some trick trickeration going on. I could be wrong. And Tyler Beatty, I mean, he is a very capable player. Already a 1,000 yards. You're right. Look, some of that against lesser competition. 209 yards against North Texas. 254 against Vandy. 8.2 yards a carry. 203 yards against Central Michigan. A little more modest against, you know, the other SEC teams. But the point is, this guy's very capable. If you don't play well, if you don't tackle well, if you let him in open space, he can definitely, you know, make you, make you pay, no doubt about it. And he can break off the long runs. That was something Beamer talked about is just his ability. Uh, co- coaches talk about explosive plays all the time now. Like, that's the that's the big buzzword, explosive plays. This guy will create explosive plays. Doesn't have to necessarily be given, uh, you know, the lane. He, he will find a way to create explosive plays. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for South Carolina. Uh, you, you mentioned Drinkwitz and this offense and, and his scheme. Kind of a little interesting storyline there. Clayton White was at NC State um, with the secondary at the time. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, secondary coach there. While Drinkwitz was the offensive coordinator at NC State. So some definitely some familiarity uh, between these two guys. And uh, so we'll see if that has an effect on this game or not. Um, you got anything else for today, man? Or are we should we push it on forward and, and roll into our, our preview tomorrow? Yeah, let's push forward to the preview. Uh, come up, Wes, after a little bit more research and thought, come up with game prediction for tomorrow and for Saturday. Keys, we'll discuss tomorrow, get into any extra stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm good for today. All right. Appreciate uh, everybody joining us. Appreciate all of our sponsors. Appreciate Gabe DeArman. Great stuff from him. Great insight. Great information. Uh, he came in on our Primal Gourmet chat line. Of course, we're presented by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. And, of course, uh, by Dead Soxy, uh, helping uh, helping sponsor the show as well. So we appreciate all of you. Appreciate the support. Uh, for Chris, I'm Wes, and we'll see you all on Friday. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.